What we've got here is failure to communicate. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. Tough, unique, bad, bold, and sassy. 60% of the time, it works every time. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Take the pain. Take the pain! Have you ever seen a grown man naked? And gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. Was it over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? Hell no! Take today, Junior! It's too late to turn back now. It's the Brian Hanks Show. Indeed it is, indeed it is. Hello, live and on tape from lovely Whitehall Drive here in beautiful Kenston, North Carolina. By God, it is finally Friday. It's Friday, March 24th in the year of our Lord, 2023. <sighs> That's it. Just revel in it for a moment that, uh, you know what? We made it to Friday, guys. I mean, and it has been, I can't speak for you guys. I can only speak for myself this has been a, uh, I guess it's a week to remember. It's been a, it's, it's been a week. That's all I got to say. And I'm just, I am so glad it's Friday. Ah, anyway, uh, this is episode 828 of the Brian Hank show presented by our good friends over at Lenore community college. My co-hosts, John Dawson and Jonathan Massey. They'll be joining me at the end of the second hour today for the birthday game. Uh, let me tell you something. We've got another great show for you today coming up in less than 20 minutes, heck in about 15 minutes or so. We're going to be joined by our regular Friday guest. He's a knower of all things NASCAR, NHL, Carolina Hurricanes. Man, he's one of the smartest people I know. I, I hope he didn't hear me say that, though, because I don't want his head to get too big, but he really is. He's, he's brilliant. Brilliant, I tell you. It's Paul Whittington. Uh, he'll be joining us on our Spence Automotive guest line live from the beautiful city of Garner, North Carolina. Uh, we're going to get called up uh, on last week's race in Atlanta, a NASCAR race in Atlanta, which was won by Joey Logano. Woo-hoo-hoo, Logano, yay. Uh, we're going to preview Sunday's race at the Circuit of the Americas. It's called Coda. The cool kids call it Coda, uh, but uh, it's, a, it's a road course. I, I've got to tell you, man, the older I've gotten, the more I enjoy the road courses because you really get to see who the good drivers are. It's not just putting somebody behind a wheel with a hammer down the entire time and just making sure you hit your marks as you go into curves or curves as you go into turns. Uh, and I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a good race, man. Uh, but, uh, we're going to catch up on the Carolina hurricanes as they are barreling, uh, towards the end of the regular season and much, much more. But, uh, Paul Whittington again, uh, joining us, uh, like I said, in about 15 minutes or so here. Uh, and he'll be, like I said, our, uh, Spence automotive guest line. However, live, Right here in our studio is going to be the organizer and chair of the ENC Renaissance Fair that's going to take place in Kinston, April 22nd and 23rd. Uh, Rob Gaudier uh, is going to be joining us. Uh, good guy. It's going to be the third time he's been on the show. And they are talking about uh, something coming up fast. That is coming up just right around the corner, the ENC Renaissance Fair. Again, uh, over at the Kinston Fair or Lenore County Fairgrounds, Saturday, April the 22nd, Sunday, April the 23rd. And he's going to be uh, live here in our plush, well-lit studio here on Whitehall Drive. So uh, pretty excited about that. So there you go. There's your uh, two guests for today's show. Paul Whittington in our first hour. Uh, Rob Gaudier in our second hour. And uh, 
that will wrap up the shows for this week. Let me tell you something, man. Uh, already looking forward to next week, too, uh, as uh, we're going to have Derek Rivers on the show next week uh, from Houston. Uh, if you uh, was communicating with him yesterday, and uh, we're going to tape something with him one day this week. Heck, he might, or uh, one day over the weekend. Heck, we might even have him uh, uh, live on Monday, but we'll see. We'll see how, where that goes. Man, Linda, come get your cat. Your cat is in here trying to bite my hands, man. Biting the hands of the man who feeds him. Uh, it's Elvis, and he, I don't know what's gotten into him. I don't know if he's hungry or whatever, but uh, Shane Albee, give me some cat advice, okay? I don't know what's going on with this cat over here. Anyway, hey, uh, man, ADHD, baby. Uh, you know, I talked about it yesterday, and and. As you know, I was out Tuesday. Uh, we didn't do the show Tuesday because I just was under the weather, not feeling well, and um, and it knocked me out of something I really wanted to do uh, yesterday. I was supposed to go to Charlotte yesterday for uh, the Jerry Valancourt Memorial. Uh, his daughters had put together a memorial, had invited me to come, uh, be one of the people that speak at. Was I was going? Was planning to speak at it and. Just, I couldn't do it. Uh, pulled the plug on that uh, mid-morning yesterday. I wasn't able to go. Broke my heart. I know Linda was really looking forward to it. She's heard me talk a lot about Jerry V. Hell, you guys have heard me talk about Jerry V through the years. And, and not just here on this show, but uh, even back when uh, John and I were uh, with the uh, Free Press, we did uh, several. Uh, we, won, we won awards. We won North Carolina Press Association Awards for our podcast. And... Uh, uh, Jerry came on that with us several times and I'm just beyond heartbroken that I wasn't able to make it, but just being under the weather and an eight hour round trip, uh, because I needed to be back this morning here to do the show. Just all those factors added up, not able to make it to Charlotte last night. And, uh, just, uh, heartbroken. My heart is broken. I hate that. I wasn't able to make it. Uh, Linda tried to reassure me plenty, several times that, you know, it was all good and all that, but man, you know, when you plan on something and especially when something like this, he's my mentor, uh, just one of the great, great guys, uh, of all time, Jerry Valancourt, uh, just a sports talk radio legend in North Carolina and specifically in the Charlotte area. I mean, I know you guys, other than hearing him here with me, you probably hadn't heard him that much unless you remember back in the old days with the Charlotte Hornets radio network, uh, he was a color analyst for years. I, I think he was the original color analyst up until they moved to New Orleans. And then he continued then, uh, when they came back to Charlotte, he wasn't with them anymore, but, uh, but just a legend, a legend, a guy that really, uh, uh, showed me the ropes, showed me how to be professional. And, uh, just, just heartbroken that I wasn't able to be at that last night, but I did want to share a story. The story that I was going to share with everybody at the, uh, at his memorial last night, uh, you guys know this, I've talked about it. You know, I was in the army after high school and after high school moved to Charlotte and that's why I, I discovered Jerry V on, uh, 6 10 AM WFNZ. He moved over to 11 10 WBT for a while uh, before he moved to new Orleans, but he was just. He was awesome. And you talk about just, uh, uh, he was a local celebrity in, in Charlotte and, uh, but he had a call in radio show, uh, the Jerry V show. And I called in pretty much every day. I was, uh, just, I, I was, uh, a Jerry V Stan, I guess you could call me. And he was just good to me. I mean, I, I got to meet him at a couple of remotes and then he started, uh, he invited me to come in and watch the show from his studio. I did that several times. 
And uh, but the big thing was he would give away ticket. You know, with eleven uh, ten being the uh, home of the Charlotte Hornets at the time, WBT Radio, he would give out tickets to games. Uh, and I don't know how it was. I ended up winning a lot of tickets and this wasn't just for one year. I'm talking, this is over a four or five year period. Probably heck I was already uh, writing for the Gaston Gazette and, uh, uh, Shelby star and the Lincoln times news and, uh, being a stringer for all those uh, entities at that time. But he just took such good care of me. And like I said, I bet I went and this is over, like I said, a four or five, six year period. I probably went to 20 or 25 Hornets games through the years. So thanks to Jerry V. And let me tell you something. These tickets weren't like nosebleed tickets. Uh, he gave us tickets. You're sitting in lower level, eight, 10 rows from the court. I remember a lot of times they were in the end zones, which I didn't mind at all. I love end zone seats. But, uh, one time in particular, I remember, I won the tickets on the radio and, uh, when I got to the game, he came up in the stands, shook my hand, uh, shook the hand of a buddy that was there with me that I brought with me to the game that night. Thanks to Jerry V. And he said, uh, listen, we're going to have an on-court promotion and I'd like you to be a part of it. So I don't even remember. It was in the middle of the second quarter or something like that. Maybe it was at half or it was at halftime, but it was in the middle of the second quarter. I needed to go down court side and show him this little slip that he had given me. So I go down there and I'm nervous as anything. I mean, let me tell you something. This is when the Hornets were good. Okay. I mean, this is, this is in the days probably post Alonzo and Larry, but, uh, they, they were still a, a pretty doggone good team. So anyway, get down on the court and there's about eight of us and they have used to have this big promotion where they had this big Charlotte Hornet hive. Okay. Uh, it was probably, I don't know, uh, 10 feet across, but you would walk around it. And then when the music stopped, you would stick your hand inside it and whatever you came out with, that's what you want. I mean, there would be tickets to games. There might be a Jersey. There might be, uh, uh, cash, which is, uh, what we're the, the crux of this story. So long story short, we get down there and Jerry pulls me aside. Bear in mind, he's got seven other contestants down there too. And he goes, uh, well, he used to call me Wahoo because that was my nickname on, uh, when I would call in because I was actually professionally writing at the time and I didn't want to, you know, be on his show as Brian Hank. So I was Wahoo and Shelby or Wahoo and Kings mountain or Wahoo and Gastonia, wherever I was when I would call into him. So he, uh, you know, we're, we're out there. He's got the mic and, uh, he puts the mic down by his side and goes, listen, takes me around and says, this is where you want to stop. And sure enough, the, they start playing the music. Uh, they stop it. I'm right in front of where he told me to stick my hand in the, the big Charlotte Hornet hive. And I come out with a thousand dollars. It was, uh, uh, 10, $100 bills. And you know what? No, it wasn't. No, no, no. I got to tell it right. It was a, a check and I had to go get a cash dollar, but still a check for $1,000 that, uh, that Jerry V, uh, told me to get. And you know what? I, I'm sure the statute of limitations are over for that. Everybody else won, like, like I said, like Hornets tickets or a Jersey or a t-shirt or something like that. And I left that night with a thousand dollars and. And that's just one of, Jerry was just such a good guy and he was good to everybody. And I mean, someone even like me, just a little Yahoo with, uh, that was just a super fan of his. He, he was just good to me. And, uh, it, it taught me a lot. Yeah, what it taught me was, uh, be good to everybody. And the lesson that I've learned from that, listen, a few months ago, I don't even want to really bring it back up again, but, uh, it was kind of, I was, I can't say the word on the air. I was being a bad person. Okay. I, I wasn't being the kind of, uh, person that Jerry V would want me to be. And, uh, 
this is actually even before he had passed, but uh, I just stupidly on the air, and I, I took a couple of shots at uh, it just it, it, in fact, if you weren't listening super close, you probably wouldn't even have picked it up. But the a person that was listening to it heard it and did pick it up, and it was Trey Scott from New Snooze Sports. I kind of was uh, just in my head. I thought I was just you know kind of picking on them a little bit. You know, I mean they they have grammatical errors in their stories and that kind of stuff, and I was just being the D word. I don't even want to say it. Uh, and, and parents, if you're driving your kids right now, don't tell them what that means. But I just wasn't being. Uh, a good person and and i took a couple of uh, just veiled shots at uh trey scott from news news sports and i regret it i absolutely do i he's a good dude he is working his butt off uh he's doing he's actually doing really good work you know we always talk about junius on here and enc moments and you know what a great uh <clears throat> and hard worker he is and junius is <clears throat> i still stand by this i mean junius is the uh the hardest working guy I know. And I mean, I've worked with him personally for several years at the free press. <clears throat> he and I, we helped get, you know, uh, he, he was good, great over at news news, but, uh, <clears throat> I just, uh, ashamed of myself to tell you the truth. I mean, because I remember, like I said, I mean, <clears throat> Jerry V was so good to me and he wasn't that kind of person. He wasn't a lowest common denominator person. He always built people up. He wouldn't tear them down. And part two of this is I remember when I got started in the business and, you know, going to UNC Charlotte and not being a a UNC J school or journalism school grad and having people that, uh, went to J school there and, you know, and I, goodness gracious, excuse me, man, I, I've got a frog in my throat, but I, uh, I remember covering Carolina games and, uh, ACC games, which I was blessed to do from 1995 all the way up to 2002, when I came to uh, Eastern North Carolina, and I still covered some games then too, but I remember covering games and, you know, you would talk to some of these Carolina J school guys, and I'm not going to mention any names, but, you know, and they would look down on you and you knew they, because you didn't go to J school at Carolina and they were, you know, they were just the way they were. And I always told myself, I am not going to be like that. I'm not going to be, you know, one of those people that look down on other people and doggone, if uh, I didn't do it with Trey. So I'm saying it here on the air. And again, I, I'm sure a lot of folks probably didn't even notice. Some people did, though. And more importantly, the one person that did was Trey. And uh, I just want to apologize to him openly. I don't, you know, he's not making me do this. In fact, we've even uh, uh, made up now. But that even makes it worse because he's been the bigger man in this whole thing. And uh, I, again, I just want to apologize. Trey, you're a good guy. I. Uh, all the world of you before you started working for new snooze sports and i think uh, i think really highly of you now too in fact i was looking at his work this morning i mean the son of a gun uh was at a softball game yesterday and at a baseball game last night uh he is out there he's hustling he's working his tail off and uh just uh i apologize wanted to do it here on the air and again like i said with uh with jerry v passing away and just remembering the lessons he taught me i i know uh, I know he probably wouldn't have been proud of me, uh, for the way that I acted. So hope that puts everything to, to bed there. Uh, you're a good guy, Trey, you're working your butt off and, uh, keep up the good work. So.
There you go. Uh, listen, let's uh, talk a little bit about uh, last night in the NBA. Oh, listen, I did want to mention again, John Dawson wrote a hilarious column about Hubert Davis uh, being in the transfer portal. Would love for you guys to check it out. Go to Bucklesberry.com. You can do it there. You can go to uh, my Facebook feed, and you can uh, click over to it there. You can go to his. You can do it there, too. Uh, but it's it's hilarious, and he has got a ton of people who have uh, checked that out. So uh, be one of the cool kids and read John Dawson's column on Hubert Davis. Ah, cold water. That'll probably uh, that'll help my throat a little bit here. Uh, listen, NCAA tournament was amazing again last night. Uh, some just uh, great games, man. And uh, we have uh, four Elite Eight teams now. How about FAU upsetting Tennessee? They have now. FAU is a nine seed coming out of the East. They have now beat Memphis. They have now beat Far- uh, Fairleigh Dixon, which they should have won that game. But then last night, a big win over Tennessee, 62-55. to 55. They're in the Elite Eight. They will take on Kansas State, who won in overtime, one of the best games, one of instant classic games last night as uh, Kansas State beat Michigan State last night, 98-93. to 93. Heck of a game uh, last night. Uh, and, again, that's who will play in the Elite Eight on uh, or tomorrow at 6.09 p.m. FAU taking on Kansas State on the other side of the bracket in the West. UConn, uh, again, another blowout win. I mean, talk about a, a team that is just blasting their way through the NCAA tournament. It's UConn. They win last night 88-65. to 65. Uh, They are going to be facing Gonzaga, who uh, another great game for them as they defeat UCLA, the three-seed Gonzaga, uh, 79-76. to 76. So it's UConn, Gonzaga on uh, one side, FAU, Kansas State in the Elite Eight on the other side. And then we've got uh, four big games tonight. Alabama against San Diego State uh, in the uh, south bracket and Creighton taking on Princeton. Then on the other side, Houston and Miami and Xavier in Texas. So there is your NCAA tournament update. Uh, How about our NBA players last night? Uh, Reggie Bullock in the – well, I'm sorry, they didn't play last night. Brandon played last night and had his first triple-double of his seven-year professional career. He finished with 30 points, 11 rebounds, 10 assists in 34 minutes against the Hornets and a uh, big win against the Hornets last night. Uh, man, just a great game there now, 36-37 and 37, uh, and are in 10th place in the Western Conference. Uh, so congratulations, Brandon. Congratulations, Donald. I'm pretty sure he was at that game last night too. Not 100%, but uh, pretty close to 100% that he was there last night. But congratulations to B.I., for uh, his first triple double uh, double of his career, they play Saturday at uh, in Los Angeles against the Clippers. That's going to begin a four game road trip for them. Uh, Reggie uh, gets a double shot of Charlotte. They play at home against Charlotte tonight. They're also thirty six and thirty seven, but they're in eighth place uh, with all the tiebreakers and everything. Uh, but they have a double shot of Charlotte tonight, and then Sunday they play at Charlotte, and that begins a five game road trip for. The Dallas Mavericks. Uh, how about LCC baseball? As you know, they beat William Peace University's JVs on Wednesday. They're sixteen and ten overall. They're eight and five in Region Ten, and uh, they host a doubleheader Saturday at noon versus Richard Bland. Then they travel Sunday to Petersburg, Virginia, to take on uh, Richard Bland again. Uh, so uh, there you go with that. Uh, ba 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 How about uh, last night's uh, prep sports uh, games? Uh, North Lenore 
10, Wallace Rose Hill 0. That's one of the ones that uh, Trace Scott was at. He reports that uh, Eli Kearney threw a no-hitter in the Mercy Rule shortened game. It was only six innings, but it's still a no-hitter. 69 pitches, eight strikeouts. Uh, North North now 5-1 and one overall, 2-0 and oh in the conference. They've got a huge game today. We'll get to that here in a moment. Parrot Academy went to Wilson. They beat Wilson Greenfield last night 8-1. Uh, to one. That improves the Patriots to 8-3 and three in prep baseball. Uh, Greenfield dropped 4-3. and three. How about Bethel Christian? They won last night 11-1 uh, to one over Richland's Liberty Christian. Congratulations to them. Bethel's now 3-2. Uh, and two. Uh, Liberty falls to 0-2, and, and then uh, Kinston still searching for their first baseball win of the season as they uh, traveled to Warsaw to take on James Kenyon. They lost 22-3 to in that game. Kinston is 0-7 overall. They're 0-4 in the conference. Keenan improves to 4-4 four four overall. They're 1-2 in the league. Uh, today's games, we'll do these in chronological order, and I got these uh, from ENC Moments, Junior Smith III's awesome local prep war, uh, website. Uh, the first game today is at four o'clock. That is Bethel. They're at home against Eastern Christian Homeschool out of uh, Little Washington. Uh, Bethel is three and two. Uh, Eastern Christian Homeschool is four and two. The big game of the night, though, is going to take place over in Beulahville as North Lenore, who is five and one overall. They are two and zero oh in the conference. They travel to Beulahville to take on East Duplin, the defending East Central two A champs. Uh, East Duplin is eight and one overall. They're two and zero oh in the league. So huge, huge game there tonight. But guess what? Not the only huge game. South Lenore travels to Onslow County. Uh, South Lenore is five and two overall. They're three and zero oh in the conference. They travel to Southwest Onslow, who is seven and one overall, two and one in the league. That game starts at six thirty. Also, both the North Nor and South Nor games both on the road. Both of them start at six thirty. Uh, Green Central is six and three overall. They're three and zero. Oh. They travel to Southwest Edgecombe, who is six and two overall, one and two in the league. That is a seven o'clock game. Also at seven, Aiden Grifton at home. They're six and three overall, two and one in the conference. They take on Farmville Central, who is two and four overall, one and two in league play. Uh, last night's softball games, uh, man, a back and forth game. Parrot Academy defeats Rocky Mount Faith Christian ten to nine. Uh, you can read about that game. That's the other game that Trey Scott was at on uh, New Snooze Sports. Uh, Parrot Academy improves to two and two overall. Faith Christian falls to two and five. And then and uh, Kenston High went to James Keenan in softball. They lost last night thirteen to two. Kenston still winless at zero and seven overall. Zero and four in the league. James Keenan now three and five overall. One and two in the league. Uh, then tonight's games, North Lenore's at East Duplin, <laughs> a big game there. South Lenore at Southwest Edgecombe. Green Central at South, South, I'm sorry, I said that wrong. South Lenore's at Southwest Onslow. That's a six o'clock game. Green Central is at Southwest Edgecombe and Farmville Central is Aiden Grifton. Uh, and girls soccer last night, Bethel lost seven to three. They're still winless at 0-3. Uh, today's games, uh, Bethel Christian at home against uh, American Leadership Academy out of uh, Clayton. Uh, South Lenore is at Southwest Onslow. Chakawinity Southside is at Green Central. And North Lenore is at East Duplin. So there you go. There's your complete schedule. And again, uh, you want to find the, the complete schedule of games, go to encmoments.com. He's got, uh, got them all there. You can check it out there. Tell you what, uh, we're getting Paul Whittington up on the line with us right now. Uh, but And as we do that, 
I want to thank Spence Automotive. It's where I get my car service. It's where you should go to. Located at 603 Plaza Boulevard in the old Firestone building next to the Piggly Wiggly and Big Lots. Spence Automotive is owned by local sports riding legend Keith Spence and is open Monday through Saturday at 7.30 a.m. Spence Automotive takes care of all your car care needs and also sells great tires, too. Give Keith a call at Spence Automotive at 252-686-5011. The next time you need your car service when you need new tires, and tell him the Brian Hank Show sent you. And joining us right now, live and in color. You are in color, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> Everything looks colorful. <laughs> there you go. It's our good friend, Paul Whittington, joining us on the uh, Spence Automotive guest line. Uh, man, so much going on in sports. And and I'm going to say this. I'm afraid you're going to hang up when I say it, but I've just got one word for you, okay? Let's have it. Logano! <laughs> Wahoo! Wah! <laughs> okay, yeah, dude, Joey Logano. I got to tell you, one of the great moves in uh, in racing that I've seen in a long time. And it seems like you know it's and, and let me tell you, I'm going back in history to the old Dale Earnhardt days back in the '80s and mm-hmm. '90s, really in the '90s when. You know, he would beat and bang his way to a race. And I guess there was a part of me that respected that. But you know what? I respected the the Mark Martins and the Bill Elliott's and the Davey Allison's and those guys that wouldn't beat and bang. I mean, they beat you by uh, by being a better driver. They may not. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember plenty of times Mark Martin not having the, the best car in the field. But somehow, some way... He would, you know, he would hit his marks. He would hit the corners right. He would do what he needed to do, and he would win races. And that's what I guess if there's one thing I've grown to respect about Joey Logano, it's that. And I love the way that he and Brad Keselowski raced at the end of last week. There was no beating and banging. He didn't take out his rear quarter panel to, you know, to uh, to win the race. He beat him with good driving. And I'm not just saying, listen, if this is your boy, Chase Elliott, if this was, you know, any of those other drivers, I would say that too. But you've got to admit, man, that was a heck of a move there at the end of the race that Logano put on Keselowski to win that race. It was, it was. And and here's the thing that we also have to remember when talking about this. If you're, if you're the fastest car on the racetrack and you're, three, four, five miles an hour better than everybody else. You don't need to bump and bang your way to the front. You can just drive right around everybody, get around them cleanly. And that's what it was on Sunday. Um, you know, credit, great driving, credit being in the right place at the right time. But whatever you want to credit, Joey Logano was the best, had the best car all weekend long, was fat, bad, fast and qualifying, fast all afternoon last week at the Atlanta Motor Speedway. No surprise to see him up front at the end. And, and he, he was in the right position there at the end to, to drive front and be where he needed to be and be the first car across across the line when, when we had the checkered flag. Well, what surprised me was, and you're right. I mean, let's not get it twisted. I mean, Logano and those Fords, for whatever reason, man, they were just dominant, just absolutely dominant in uh, Atlanta last week. But uh, what shocked me was just how far he fell behind. I mean, he had, like you said, he dominated mm-hmm. the first half of the race. But in the third segment, and I, in the interest of full disclosure, I didn't get to watch it till the very end. I listened to a lot of it on the radio, but I got to watch the last five laps or so of it, Paul. And uh, what got me was just how he got behind there in those last, say, three, four laps or so. And he's in fourth place, fifth place. And I, I'm just not used – you know, listen, I'm a long-time Atlanta uh, 
Atlanta, well, I guess it's not international anymore, but Atlanta Motor Speedway <laughs> uh, track fan. It is literally a super speedway. Now, it's a mile and a half yeah. track, but it's become a super speedway, hasn't it? It has. Uh, and, and that's, so we go back, and I, I think I was talking about talking about this with Mark last week. Um, you know, they they last paved Atlanta, I think it was in around like 2001 or something like that. Like it had been just an absurd amount of time since they had last repaved the Atlanta Motor Speedway. And they've been putting it off for about the past five years. It was like, okay, we're, we're going to pave it after this race. And then all the drivers were like, no, 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 don't touch it. Okay. Well, <laughs> after the next race, we're going to pave it. No, 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 don't touch it. And, and they just kept kind of delaying the inevitable. And the problem that you run into when you repave a racetrack is new asphalt lacks one very important thing that produces grip at these racetracks. And that's rubber laid down into the asphalt. And so it takes a while to, to kind of rebuild the, the rubber that you lay down on the racetrack. So if they had just repaved Atlanta, you know, it wouldn't have been good racing. So that's, that's the, that, that's kind of the con to repaving a racetrack is that you, you're going to lose good competitive racing for, two, three, four years before you get back in a groove where these drivers can can run through the preferred lanes and all that fun stuff. So what they did was they just did a complete reconfiguration. They're like, all right, we gotta pave it. So if we do if we do this, this and this, increasing the bankings in the corner, making making them a little bit wider, whatever, then we're not gonna have to wait for three, four, five years for competitive racing again. We can get it right now. And it was genius. Uh, I know there's people out there that don't like it, and that's okay. I'm not a fan of single file racing, and, and we got a lot of that on Sunday. Um, but I, I'd rather see a little bit of single file racing with a lot of passing versus uh, just seeing a very boring, uncompetitive race for four or five five years in a track that we know can be really good. So I was I was I was pretty good with the changes. I, I thought they were changes that were made for the best, and, and I welcome them certainly with arms wide open. Five six races in this season again. That voice you listen to is uh, Paul Whittington. He's our NASCAR. He's our NHL or Carolina Hurricanes uh, expert. And we're talking about last week's uh, race in uh, Atlanta, uh, just with the finish, with just the jockeying back and forth and all that. My favorite race of this season so far. Where does it rank with you? Yep. Well, of course, it's your favorite Ford finished one too. Um, well, I, I, I mean, dude, and I yeah. actually feel like I'm speaking. You're right. That's probably a, yeah. Of I course. know. I'm yeah. If it, if it had been two Hendrick cars, uh, one two, I probably wouldn't feel the same. You're right. You're probably right. But but still, the racing was amazing, wasn't it? It was. It was. Um, let's see. What's my favorite race? I think maybe. If you go back to Phoenix where Hendrick finished one, two, am I allowed to say that? Yeah, dude, absolutely. <laughs> I'm, just kidding. absolutely. I'm just kidding. I, I thought I thought the race at Las Vegas was really good. I also thought the race at Auto Club was really good. Um, I, I, I think Auto Club with uh, the final race on the two-mile format, uh, Kyle Busch goes to victory lane in that one. I think that one has been my favorite so far. Um, I, I was a little surprised with what we got Sunday. At, at Atlanta, because if you watch the truck series and the Xfinity series race on Saturday, they had one big problem. And that's that they couldn't run green flag laps because they couldn't stay out of the fence. And, and there was at one point, I think they were a hundred laps into the truck race and they had run more laps under the caution flag than they had under the green flag. By it was like 
60 to 40. Um, like it wasn't even close and, and they just couldn't sustain a green flag run. And so you, you come into Sunday with expectations after looking at everything that happened on Saturday and then you get the exact opposite where I think there were only like two, two caution flags that were not for, for stage breaks. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so we had five cautions for 34 laps. Okay. So you had three cautions that were, that were not for stage breaks. And that was a complete opposite of what we saw on Saturday with the trucks in the Xfinity. Wow. Well, I'll tell you what, again, uh, and I want to break down some of these finishers. And, of course, Joey Logano defending uh, NASCAR champ. I mean, a good race for him. And, and like I said, they they had the best car. The Penske cars out there were just amazing the whole weekend. Go ahead. 140 laps led on Sunday for Joey Logano. There you go. And we ran 260. Well, more than half, like you said, there you go. But I was pleased to see Brad Keselowski. I mean, a a driver who's been kind of out of the limelight. I mean, you know, he's had, I guess he had a couple of good races last year, but uh, a driver who's definitely closer to the end of his career than he is to the beginning of his career. Uh, He had a good run on Sunday, didn't he? He did. You you look at the entire top five, Joey Logano, Brad Keselowski, Christopher Bell, Corey LaJoy, Tyler Reddick. We'll break all those down. Uh, Ford needed to win. Ford needed to win oh, yeah. bad. Um, and, and being able to finish one, two was, was, was huge for the manufacturer. But you look at Joey Logano, Pinsky has been struggling out of the gate. Uh, haven't, haven't really found their edge all season long. So to come out as, and, and fire off as well as they did, that was huge for, for team Pinsky and, and the 22 team. Uh, Brad Keselowski, it's no, it's no, no surprise or, or, no secret. There we go. No secret that um, uh, RFK Racing has struggled. Struggled all last year. Um, I think Chris Busher went to victory lane last year, didn't he? Or maybe, yeah, yeah. He, he went to victory lane last I was year. Saying, that, dude, that you, was know, you, all, you know yeah. you would know that more than me. <laughs> yeah. They, uh, well, you did know Jeff Gordon and Ford last week uh, during our little trivia mm-hmm. question. But um, Chris Busher went to victory lane last year. And that's, that's all the success that RFK Racing's had. They, they didn't have the finishes last year. They, Chris Busher in his 17 car was actually much quicker all season long than the six. And it, it just seemed like something was missing there. And they had a real shot at winning on Sunday. And just the, the 22 was better than the six. And, and Brad Keselowski comes home second. Uh, the Toyotas continue to continue to struggle. They haven't been as fast as, as the Chevrolets this, this season. And they're, and they're looking for good finishes. And Christopher Bell, uh, one of the drivers who was part of the championship four last year, was able to bring home a third place finish. And, and that was that was a great result for for Joe Gibbs Racing. My favorite guy in the in the top five. I this is this is such an awesome story. And I was hoping he would find a way just to be three spots better than where he finished. But Corey LaJoy, uh, out of out of the Spire Motorsports stable, that is a that is a small, underfunded team that doesn't have that technical alliance direct to Chevrolet and, and all that fun stuff. They are, they are a team that uh, the next-gen car and the parity that we're developing in the sport really helps. And, and we've talked about Corey LaJoy a couple of times this season and the, and the finishes that, that he's having. And this was a career-best finish for him, fourth place on Sunday in Atlanta. And then Tyler Reddick. And, and if there was anybody in the garage that needed a good finish, any team in the garage, it was 23-11 racing. They have certainly struggled out of the gate. And getting Tyler Reddick a top-five finish in, in his Xfinity 10G Network Toyota was certainly a, uh, a welcome surprise for that team and a, a much-needed top-five for 23-11 racing. 
Again, that voice you listen to is Paul Whittington. He's our NASCAR expert. We are looking back at last week's race in Atlanta, the Atlanta Motor Speedway, the Ambetter Health 400. They don't pay you know, to be here on the show, but I, I'll, I'll mention them here. <laughs> Corey LaJoy, I do want you to just say, and you did uh, take a good 30 seconds there, but I'd love just dive into him a little bit. I got to, you know, if I really didn't like that series last year on USA, the race for the championship, I almost felt like it was scripted, but one of the, one of the favorite people that I, that I enjoyed watching was Corey LaJoy last year. I mean, he, he sort of got this, uh, I don't know, uh, sort of this rock star feel about him. And it's not just his hair. It's not just, but it's the way that he handles stuff. And, uh, and yeah, he, can you believe I'm saying something nice about a Chevy driver, uh, Paul, but, but I really enjoyed watching him last year. I'm with you. Uh, he, you, you gotta pull for the little guy. I don't care if they drive a Chevy Ford or Toyota or whatever they drive. It's good when you see somebody like him, like you said, uh, that, that he drives a Chevy, but it could be anything else because he's not getting direct, you know, whatever, what, it, what was the term that you used? Uh, uh, direct support from the, manufacturer. yeah, direct support from the manufacturer. He's doing this and his, uh, team is really doing this on their own for the most part. But he, when somebody like that does, well, you gotta be happy for him and just Dude, does he? Ha- I guess the main question I have: talk about him a little bit more, but then tell me, does he have a win in him this season? Do you think? I I hope so. I, he he's he's a great super speedway racer, so it's no it's no surprise to see him in the top five. Um, I, I think that team is progressively getting better, and I and I think we could certainly uh, see him run up front and potentially compete for a win at a Talladega or a Daytona. Uh, I, I still want to see a little bit more of, of what they what kind of run they can put together on our intermediate tracks before before I go all in on the seventeen. But but I don't think there's a better personality in the garage area. Um, you, you know we we talk about the drivers and the personalities and how great great of people these these guys are and and that's true when we talk about it. But but I don't think it, there's any truer statement than than saying that Corey LaJoy is certainly one of the best personalities in the garage area. He's been with, uh, I think, Spire Motorsports pretty much his whole career. He ran his first full-time season back in 2017. Had an average finish of 30th, uh, 30.2 that year. He's gotten progressively better each and every year, currently averaging a 16th place finish this uh, through five races this season. Um, has an average start of 20th, uh, so getting getting progressively better in qualifying as well. And he's already got a top five and a top ten. Which is a career high for him. Uh, the last year he had, okay, excuse me, last year he had one top five and one top ten. Uh, in the years prior, a top ten in each of the years prior, and then two top tens back in 2019, and that's been all all the success that that team's had. You see, he has two top fives and six top tens to his name through what six seven years of, of racing in the Cup Series, and and to already to already have tied your best season in terms of finishes, and you're only five races in, just kind of speaks. To, to the steps forward that that team were taking. And I, t- I tell you, I go back to uh, when Jimmy Johnson announced his retirement. I, I'm pretty sure it was Jimmy. They hadn't announced exactly who was going to be the person that took over. And Corey LaJoy put himself out there and hand-delivered a note to Rick Hendrick uh, <laughs> at, uh, at the NASCAR Hall of Fame, basically stating his case. Uh, it didn't work out. Um, Corey kind of knew it was a long shot, but – um, he, he's been a driver that has, that his name is kind of floating out there. Someone who could potentially 
step into Kevin Harvick's ride next year at Stuart Haas Racing. We'll we'll wait and see, but but he's certainly a talented race car driver. He's he's finding success in in an underfunded team, and and I would like to think that he's got a win in him this year. Dude, that is awesome. And oh my God, if he could go over to a Ford team, that just would be so much better for me too. I already like him. Like I said, from watching yeah. that, uh, chase for the, uh, race for the championship or whatever it was called. It was such a, such a, such an awful show last year, but, but that was one of the highlights of it was Corey LaJoy and he truly appreciates his fans and you got to see some behind the scenes stuff with that. And he just a good dude. Well, catch us up on the appeals. Cause I'm looking at the standings right now. And uh, poor Justin Haley is still under zero. He's under zero, dude. You pointed that out last week, and it just made me chuckle then. And, dude, still, even after this last race, uh, number 31, Justin Haley, is minus 25 points, which I don't know if that's ever happened before for a full series uh, or a a full season competitor. Of course, he's not going to finish that low. But where do we stand with those appeals from uh, the race a couple of races ago? Yeah, no, no update yet. Uh, it t- typically when it, they they will get to appeals quicker in the playoffs during the regular season. It it takes them about two or three three weeks to to gather everybody that's part of the uh, that's part of hearing the appeal. So uh, unfortunately, no update just yet. But but hopefully by the time we talk next week, uh, the appeals will be heard, will have been heard, and we'll we'll have kind of kind of a next step or we'll have a final decision. Um, I, I haven't heard them say when the appeals are set for, I don't typically, tip, some, I guess sometimes, you know, sometimes you don't, but, uh, hopefully by this time next week, when we talk next Friday, we'll, we'll have a better understanding of where we're at. Well, there you go. And, uh, that'll be, that, that'll be, it, listen, this stuff, it needs to get settled as soon as possible because, you know, uh, peripheral. And I wouldn't even call me a peripheral NASCAR fan. Now, dude, you, you've brought me back into the fold, dude. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm nowhere as near as full-blown NASCAR as you are right now, but it still it messes it up when you're looking and, uh, again, uh, someone who's won two races already this year is in uh, 28th place. William Byron should not be in 28th place. I mean, no. you add his 100 points back, he's in, he's tied for six with Kevin Harvick, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I, and, I, and I think going back to this appeals process, I, I think the – you're right, and and I think the penalty here, I, I I think the penalty here for these for these Hendrick cars and for Justin Haley's car, it needs to be different. So there was there was a story came, that came out after we spoke last week. Um, Chad Canals, I think it's Saturday morning, was was interviewed at the Atlanta Motor Speedway, and he's one of the one of the higher ups over there at Hendrick Motorsports. Get his title, I think he's competition director maybe. Um, but he talked about the the inspection that they went through is a non-mandatory inspection. So the only there's a couple of mandatory ones that happen throughout the weekend, but there's an optional one. And during these optional inspections, most of the time NASCAR will allow you to fix things with that that are out of spec without receiving any sort of penalty. And they went through one of those inspections, according to Chad Knauss, they went through one of those inspections, and that's where these these lovers these hood vents were discovered and they were taken off the race car and then penalties were levied and so one of the biggest arguments right now is you said we go through this inspection there won't be penalties and then nascar handed down some severe penalties but beyond that um another appeal that's being heard in all of this is 
related to Denny Hamlin and the comments he made on his podcast, Actions Detrimental, where where he said that, you know, he intentionally wrecked Ross Chastain. And so now we're starting to talk about he he was told by, by Joe Gibbs, like, hey, we don't want you to appeal it. We just want you to pay the fine and move on. And then he got the email telling him he was going to be telling him, like, why he was receiving a penalty. And he read the email. And he said, I didn't do any of this. The, all the stuff that they're accusing me of, like, I didn't do any of it. So it was a tough pill for him to swallow. So he went back to Joe Gibbs, put his case. Uh, and they were like, okay, well, we support you. If you want to appeal, uh, by all means, submit the appeal. And so that's what he's doing. But now the question becomes, you the checkered flag flies on Sunday. Everybody goes through post-race inspection. The, the results become official. Everybody packs up and they leave the racetrack. And then on Monday night, Tuesday morning, you record a podcast where, where you say something about something that you did and NASCAR issues a penalty. And, and should something that NASCAR hears on Tuesday change the way that they officiate the sport at the, at the track on Sunday? And I think the answer to that question is no. Um, it's, it's over, it's done with, and, and it's time to move on to the next race. And so I don't think NASCAR should get in the habit of listening to something on the radio and saying, okay, yep, we're going to give, we're, we're going to issue a penalty. And I think the exception there is you get on the radio and you start bad mouthing NASCAR, you start bad mouthing your sponsors and you start flying off, uh, flying off the hinges. But that's not what happened with, with Denny Hamlin. And I think it's unfair for NASCAR to, change the way that they officiate just because he said something on Tuesday on a podcast. And this is <laughs> tell people go into a little bit more detail about that because I you're going to be amazed. I've listened to an inordinate amount of uh NASCAR on uh, Sirius XM this week more than I usually do. I don't know. Uh I, for whatever reason it's a station that's on when I have been getting in the car driving to Greenville and coming back or whatever and Explain to me because I don't know all the details. Evidently, uh, Denny Hamlin intentionally on his podcast he admitted to intentionally taking somebody out in a with a wreck. Isn't that is that correct? And when NASCAR didn't even consider that he had done that, they thought it was just an, an incidental incident. How about that? Or even accidental uh, incident. Yet he comes on his podcast. He talks about doing that. <sighs> If you do that, and listen, I'm as big a Denny Hamlin fan as anybody. I, you know, he, uh, yeah. you know, uh, broke in racing right here in Eastern North Carolina, racing all over Southern yep. Virginia and Eastern North Carolina. So people know Denny Hamlin's name from that. But, dude, I guess my question, Paul, that's kind of stupid, isn't it, to get on there after you've cleared oh, yeah. through the race and everything, and then get on there and admit that oh, I took, and I didn't hear it. I've not heard even an excerpt from it. But when you get on when you get on the air, whether it's a podcast or a radio show like this or television or satellite radio or whatever, and you admit to doing something like that, aren't you sort of inviting inviting NASCAR to to come down on you? Yeah, that that's the flip side of this. And and so basically we're we're the last I think it was the last lap or next to last lap or whatever it was, uh Denny knew that the tires were, were going away. He he hit turn three and four there at Las Vegas, knew knew that he wasn't going to make the corner, so basically saw the one in his rearview mirror and said, well, I hate it for you, Bob, but you're coming with me. And, you know, those those two have had a score to settle, and, and then he saw an opportunity to capitalize in a way that didn't look intentional. To your point, nobody was questioning <laughs> it after the race on Sunday or Monday morning. No. Nobody. 
there's there's not a soul that saw what happened on the racetrack and said, well, Denny, Denny did that one on purpose. Ooh, is NASCAR going to find him? What are they going to do? Listen, I am I am world's biggest opponent to intentionally wrecking race car drivers. Period. Oh, you yeah. know, I, I go I back to I, I agree with you. I go I go back to last year when Bubba Wallace at 200 miles an hour hooked uh, Kyle Larson, put him head on into the fence. I forget what racetrack, a very, very, very dangerous move. And we're talking about what four, 5,000 pound stock cars that, that you're, you're basically using as a weapon. I I am 1000% against intentionally wrecking race car drivers, but there are times where you can do something that doesn't look intentional and doesn't necessarily aim at hurting somebody or whatever. Um, I do. I think that Denny Hamlin was trying to to hurt Ross Chastain. Absolutely not. Do I think that Denny Hamlin did it intentionally? Absolutely. Especially now because he said it. Do I think that it looked intentional? Absolutely not. Do I think that anybody was questioning after the race? Absolutely not. So keep your mouth shut when you go on your podcast. <laughs> I but, just but, don't see but what, I also, what, Go ahead. No, go I ahead. Think, I think I think you got to keep your mouth shut. But if you're NASCAR, like. Hear it, get pissed, have a conversation, and move on. I think it's ridiculous to 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 find somebody because because they got one over on you and you learned about it on a podcast. Uh, okay, they, I agreed with everything you said in that whole diatribe up until your last couple of sentences there, Paul. <laughs> no, I, listen, what if... I don't know. Uh, just two racers are racing each other. And again, it's another, it looks unintentional and somebody gets on there and he kills a guy, dude. You know, I mean, you're, yeah. you're, you're not going to talk about that obviously on your podcast, but dude, I got to tell you, man, from this point on, you got to feel like Denny Hamlin and yes, he's way into his career. I mean, he, again, he's another, he's like Keselowski. He is closer to the end of his career than he is to the beginning yeah. by far. Yeah. Dude, you got to know better, man. You absolutely 100% got to know better. What did, what were, you know, dude, everything I do in life. And I learned this early on. In fact, I was talking about Jerry Valancourt earlier. And one of the things that he taught me was risk versus reward. And you can use that in anything, Paul, you can use it in whatever you do, you know, in your CIA double life that you and, uh, (laughs) (laughs) that you do, I do it in my life, dude. I mean, I, uh, 99.9% of the time. Okay. What? Okay. This decision I'm about to make the risk versus reward. What's the reward that I'm going to get out of this for the risk that I'm putting in by doing what I'm getting ready to do. He should have done that, dude. Where did he think yeah. that, oh, I'm going to talk about intentionally wrecking somebody and it's going to come out positive. Where did he think that there was any reward in that, Paul? Oh, yeah. I, I don't – that's what I have questioned about this whole situation. And and don't get it twisted. I don't like the fact that, that he that he intentionally wrecked somebody. I, don't, I certainly don't like the fact that he, he bragged about it on, on a podcast. The, where, where I am having a difficult time is that NASCAR changes the way that they officiate um, on an almost daily basis in situations like this. I don't like it. Um, but there's there's nothing good that can come from – because even if NASCAR does nothing, now that now Ross Chastain and everybody over there at um, Trackhouse – not Trackhouse. Yeah, Trackhouse. Everyone over there at Trackhouse knows that it was intentional. And, and so now – now they owe you one, right? And you know, maybe maybe the 
folks at Track House and Ross Chastain were the only people that left the Las Vegas Motor Speedway feeling like it was intentional on uh, on a couple of weeks ago. But um, I just – I guess what I'm trying to get at is if you're Denny Hamlin, just shut up. Yeah. Talk about something else. Talk about something else and move move on. If you did it intentionally, go to the grave being the only person in the world that knows that. Listen, Jason and Bryant. Just keep your mouth. No, up. I agree with you one thousand percent. Jason Bryant uh, messaged me uh, while you were talking there, and he said, uh, "How many times has he done that in the past, and we just don't know about it?" Which is a valid right. question. And now, too, he and this is what Jason said. He's now opened himself up to questioning. And I mean, yeah. I guarantee you, henceforth, we're gonna everything Denny Hamlin does, we're gonna watch. Listen, we got to get off that because I I want to get some Coda talk here and dude, some Carolina Hurricanes talk too, which we're well. Well, let's also we real quickly gotta gotta hammer this one home. Okay, uh, I don't know if you saw it on Twitter, but we had something pretty exciting happen uh, on Tuesday and Wednesday, and that was hot laps at the North Wilkesburg yes, Speedway. Yes, sir. The, the Craftsman Truck Series was was out there testing. I believe it was on Tuesday and then the Cup Series on Wednesday. Uh, so. Starting, if it wasn't feeling real before, it definitely feels real. <laughs> Dude, this spring is just going to be so awesome. Dude, you know we're two weeks from tomorrow from uh, our uh, awesome Outer Banks vacation. I guess I should go ahead and start preparing people. Uh, and, dude, I am not. I have decided I'm not going to do the show that week. I know I talked about maybe doing yeah. a couple of days from Outer Banks. I've just decided now, dude. I'd like to sleep nonstop, you know, because, dude, I mean, I got to get up at 5 o'clock, 5.30 to do the show. I want to be able yeah. to sleep late all week so uh we're not going to be doing the show that week but just talking about uh how great this spring is going to be we've got that coming up we've got the uh 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 what you're talking about right there the all-star weekend up in north wilkesboro that's coming up we've got uh carolina hurricanes playoffs coming up man this is going to be a spring to remember isn't it it's going to be a ton of fun. I don't know when we're going to find the time because <laughs> I already know what my schedule looks like for May. And we're, we're, we're going to go to a wedding and then we're going to oh go to, we're going to go to a wedding in upstate New York, which I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward. I know I'm going to miss Darlington that weekend, but never been there. You know, mom was born up in Niagara Falls. So we get to see that area for the first time, maybe venture into the can into Canada, uh, be my first time leaving the country. Um, going to going to eat buffalo wings in Buffalo. <laughs> I, I, that's going to be a ton of fun, man. I'm so much looking forward to that trip. And then come, and then the next weekend we're racing at North Wilkesboro. And then the next weekend we're racing at, at Charlotte for the Coach 600. So May's May's tough. If the Hurricanes make a deep run, I'm gonna there's gonna have to be some decisions made. But don't worry. We'll, we'll be at North Wilkesboro. There you go. Can't wait for that. Okay, uh, let's get a couple minutes in here. Uh, give us a preview of uh, in Austin, Texas, uh, the Circuit of the Americas. It's our first real uh, or it's our first uh, road course. And I said in my opening monologue before I pulled you up, dude, I got to tell you, man, I'm becoming a fan. And I never was a fan of uh, of road courses. But I think it's because, and I'll tell you the one reason I think I'm a big fan, dude, is uh high definition television dude and i mean it now going to a road course race is not fun i've actually covered one of those before i covered one up at watkins Glen uh back in 99 uh, 98 99 whenever it was and dude it's hard to watch in fact you even sitting up you know in the media room you couldn't see everything that's going on you had to you watched it basically on tv but i think that's what's made uh these road courses more palatable 
for uh, racing fans, maybe not for the racing fans who are in attendance, or if you're sitting in one of the turns, you get to see the cars pass by you for six seconds until they come back around two minutes later or whatever. But I, I don't know. I just uh, give us a quick preview of uh, Coda in Austin, Texas this weekend. Yeah, well, for the third time, the NASCAR Xfinity Series will go to Circuit of the Americas there in Austin, Texas for the um, Echo Park Automotive Grand Prix is what they're calling it. Yes, when you have a when you have a when you have a Grand Prix you have to say it <laughs> kind of kind of pretentious. Or that pretentious tone. Grand Prix, right? <laughs> um we, this is the third time that we've done it. We'll have all three of the national series in action this weekend. Uh you go back to the first race there, it was Chase Elliott who went to Victory Lane and then Ross Chastain went to Victory Lane last year. Uh he's actually gonna open the weekend up by going up to the tower and dropping a watermelon. <laughs> from from the tower uh, to celebrate his win from last year, um, but I, I'm excited about it. Things are going to look at a little different this weekend, Brian, because we have a we have a rule change that we're going to see for the first time this year, and that rule change is at the end of stage number one and the end of stage number two. What do we typically do at the end of the stage, Brian? Well, you have a, a caution, and people go in and you have fuel and. You have a caution. Yeah. Not this weekend. When what? we go to the road courses this year, we will wave the green and white checkered flag, and then we will stay on the throttle and continue running the laps. Because, and I don't know if it's because of, of all, all the noise that fans were, were, were throwing around out there, but fans were upset because stages at road courses are so short because it's only like a, 80 90 lap race so you go 10 laps 12 laps 15 laps whatever and the stage is over and and in some cases the truck series it's like a a 11 stage 11 lap stage so caution flags burn three four laps out of that so um they they have done away with the caution flags for the stages at um at road courses this year so we will stay on the throttle and and keep turning laps like we normally do, which I'm excited about. I, I think this is a really, really, really good move. I like it. And, dude, you've sold me, too. I love it. Some favorites, too. Obviously, with Chase Elliott being out with the injury, uh, I mean, I know Ross Chastain. He should be one of your favorites since he won last year. Who are a couple other? You know what? It, how we're up against it, dude. Uh, who are you picking? Who you got this weekend at, uh, at COTA? Uh, hmm, tough, um, but... I, I, I think I kind of liked Denny Hamlin this weekend. Uh, you think he'll try to wreck somebody and then brag about it on his podcast? Man, I, I hope so. <laughs> it'll only it'll only increase the penalty. <laughs> oh my God, what an idiot! Very good, real quick, dude. We uh, we, we're in the home stretch here. Carolina Hurricanes uh, right now uh, still. Playing good uh, hockey, and uh, but kind of dropped off a little bit. I, and I hate the Rangers, but just give, give us a give us your ninety second Carolina Hurricanes update. We're in the playoffs. I, I think that's the update, and that's all that matters. There's two teams that have have clinched a spot in the Stanley Cup playoffs: the Boston Bruins, who we'll see on Sunday, uh, and then the Carolina Hurricanes, who who we see every day. Um, they with with things that. Basically, they had a couple of clinching scenarios last night. They could beat the Rangers in any shape, form, or fashion, um, or a couple of people could lose or win or whatever. And it was unfortunately scenario B because the Canes were unable to get it done, even though they were the better team last night. Um, they were unable to get it done, but things worked in their favor, and they have clinched their spot into the playoffs now for the fifth straight season. 
so we're going to go playoff hockey this year and try to win and try to win a second Stanley Cup. Um, just an unfortunate game last night. The Canes were the better team, uh, but they they fall to the Rangers two to one. Now it's a tough weekend series. They got a hundred points. They're they got a game in hand uh, against the against the Devils. Uh, the Devils are two points back, but you gotta you gotta play some tough teams this weekend. Tomorrow at PNC Arena, we we bring in the Toronto Maple Leafs. And then on Sunday, we bring in the Boston Bruins. So uh, a tough weekend ahead in, in the NHL for the Carolina Hurricanes. There you go. And uh, check this out. Uh, now I, I know who's listening right now. Jacques Passleg is listening because he said, hate the Rangers. <laughs> I don't necessarily I hate I the Rangers. No, no, no. I do. There you and go. their fans. <laughs> oh, Lord. Jacques, Jacques, we love you, though. You do love Jacques Passleg, though, right? When he's wearing a Canes jersey, <laughs> and he has at least one time. Listen, uh, I've seen him walking around. The, I've seen him walking around the arena wearing a Canes jersey. Have you really? I have. He he didn't see me. Oh, um, but from from a distance, I went. Oh, there's there's Jacques, and, and look at that. He, <laughs> he's upgraded his wardrobe. Dude, I love it. I love it. He just uh, messaged. He said he loves it too. So there you go. Paul Whittington, man, uh, what a way to finish our week. We love having you here. Uh, it, you know, I think it's a, it's a, I think it, I like this change. Do you, or, you know, moving Mark, this is the second week in a row now we've done it, having Mark on Mondays, you on Fridays. Do you like it? I, I enjoy it. I, I think it's fun. It's a great way to, to preview the race coming up. Um, but the only thing I don't like is you asked me for a pick, but didn't give me yours. Ah, uh, you know what? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go chalk here. I'm going to Ross Chastain, dude. I think. Uh, Whoa! <laughs> I think he's got a chance to go back to back, dude. Brian's pulling for the Chevys. This I weekend. didn't say pull. No, 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 no. I'm trying to be an independent observer, okay, and trying to be a <laughs> uh, you know an unbiased uh, reporter here, and I really do. I think Chastain uh, has a chance to listen. Paul Whittington, you're the man, dude. Two weeks to vacation, dude. That's right. That's right. Can't wait. There you go. Uh, thank you so much, buddy. Yeah, thank you. Have I, a good one. I don't think I've ever called you buddy before. Uh, that was uh, uh, Paul Whittington. Uh, listen, uh, we're wrapping up our first hour here of today's show. Uh, if you uh, listen, thank you again to Paul Whittington for uh, joining us here. Uh, a fun hour coming up here in our next hour. We have uh, Rob Gaudier. Did I say it right? Close. Close. <laughs> there you go. Pound it, pound it, pound it, and go ahead and have a seat right there. Hey, uh, coming up in our next hour, we're going to talk about the ENC Renaissance Fair here on the Brian Hanks Show, presented by Lenore Community College.